never been easier to get on the water with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Stop by your local Academy store or online at academy.com today and shop fishing's top brands like Luz, Zepco, Abu Garcia, Shimano, and more, all at prices you'll love. Find the latest gear for making your next big catch with all new 2021 fishing combos, rods, reels, and more. And with Academy's wide selection of gear, great brands, and highly competitive prices, find everything you need to have more fun out there. Hello and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. In this episode, we are talking up your game with spring offshore preparation. And we will be talking to longtime friend Captain Rod Bierstedt of On My Way Charters. And he operates out of the Carolina Beach, Wrightsville Beach area. And he's going to be walking us through the steps that every angler should take coming out of the winter months and heading into the fresh season, the spring season. And then he's also going to walk us through steps that you would take to prepare for whether it be your first offshore trip of the year or really any offshore trip of the year. Just a standard preparation list that he likes to employ and he thinks it will help you catch more fish. I'm Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in our latest and greatest chapter, this saltwater podcast series. And it is in the Fish Post Saltwater Podcast Series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge, their experience on how to catch more fish more often with the true goal just to empower you, to give you more information, to give you more confidence so that you get out on the water and spend more time on the water with more friends more often. Um, I am joined every episode with my cohort, my partner, and that is Billy Thorpe of Copilot Studio. And Copilot Studio, hold on, I have notes, is a podcast studio. Copilot Studio is a podcast studio that offers podcast services for hire. And while I am joined by Billy Thorpe, he is not joining me on camera today, so he will not be making a camera appearance. And I'll leave it to your imagination to wonder why he's not coming up on camera and you know, don't discount any possibility. I want your imagination to go wild. But he is. He is working in the background. He is doing his duty to make this show run smooth. And as an example of that, watch this. I'm going to say, hey, Billy, cue the slide for how to watch, how to listen. Look at that. So here you are, everyone. And this is where Billy does his job, and he basically reads the slide. I mean, that's why we pay him the big money. He says, hey, everyone, you can listen to it at these spots, or you can watch it on YouTube, or you can watch it on Fisherman'sPost.com, and we pay him handsomely for that. Um, thank you, Billy, for that. But where he really earns his money isn't just reading the slide of how to watch, how to listen. It's setting up our sponsor, our primary sponsor, the people we love, and I'm talking about Marine Warehouse Center, I'm talking about Emmett Terrell and the whole crew over there, a big operation here, a big operation down Charleston Way, big fans of them, and they're big fans of the Fisherman's Post community, and we're going to watch a commercial from them. 
Hey, it's Rodney with Marine Warehouse Center in Wilmington and Charleston. We are headquarters for Pair Custom Boats. These center consoles are handmade in Washington, North Carolina, and are custom designed for fishing and family fun on the water. Right now, we have several models in stock, and deal times on the custom orders are around five months. These boats are custom built to fit your needs, from the seating, the tops, the leaning posts, and the live wells. You design the entire layout of your boat. Come by and see for yourself why they're one of the fastest growing boat builders in the country. And it is time. I mean, it is time to get thinking about the season ahead. That's sort of the genesis of this episode here. That's the message that Marine Warehouse Center is getting out to you guys. So whether you're looking to buy, whether you're looking to get your boat ready to go for another season on the water, it is time now to start preparing. And we love those guys. And so where I'm going to be exposed right now is when I share with Billy, but not Billy, a joke that Terrell told me this week. He's he didn't like the he didn't like the New Year's resolutions. Emmett was basically out of New Year's resolutions, so he he wanted to get back to telling me jokes. And I said, you know, all right, all right, Tara, let's let's hear a joke. And so I'm gonna have no idea how this lands without Billy shaking his head or scoffing or maybe even laughing. But what Terrell said to me was, "Hey, what did the magician say to the fisherman?" Dramatic pause. Pick a cod any cod and i thought there might be laughing sound effects but i think i'm not i'm i'm sort of hanging out out here so let's do this let's go to a fish photo we have a fish photo every week or every episode and we have an offshore fish photo and there it is we are looking at carter hall with a 13 pound dolphin 13 pound mahi caught Around the northeast corner of the Big Rock, he was using a pink and white sea witch baited with ballyhoo. And though that was not a winter photo, it's certainly a harbinger of good times to come, that mahi bite. And that is in part what Rod Bierstedt is going to help us out with. And so what I'm going to do is I want, even though we don't have Billy on camera, I still want Billy's best takeaway. So we're going to do Gary Hurley Presents. Gary Hurley Presents Billy's Best Takeaway here at the end of the show. But right now, what I like to do is I like to introduce our guest, our guest of honor, and I'm talking about Captain Rod Bierstedt of On My Way Charters, operating primarily out of Carolina Beach, but certainly Wrightsville Beach area too. Rod Bierstedt, welcome back to the show. Welcome to the show again. Uh-oh. Hey, Gary, thank you very much. I really enjoy this, as you know, and uh, look forward to spending some time with you here. and talk about my favorite subject fishing um yeah man you're an you are a true ambassador of the sport of the pastime or whatever we're going to call it whether it's the fishing school or the podcast or just in your day-to-day -day relations with previous clients i mean i know you like to teach i know you like to help and so that's what makes you just an easy great guest to bring back to the to the podcast series already so captain by rod bierstedt we're going to be talking about preparation coming out of the winter months and getting ready for another season. And then I think you're going to talk to me about some specifics for preparing, whether it be that first offshore trip of the year or really any offshore trip of the year. But as is tradition here on Fisherman's Post, we got two questions for you. Are you ready, Captain Rod? I am ready, Gary. Fire Question away. number. You got it. Question number one. Why should we even listen to you talk about offshore trip preparation? Why should you listen to me? Well, it's, uh, it comes down to trying to pay it forward, my friend. Um, 
I was lucky enough when I came here 36 years ago, a lot of people took me under their wing. And uh, I think I've got some good things to uh, share with people that are going to help them up their game here for 2021. All right. I like it. Well, I tell you what. So question number two, as is tradition, is a non-fishing related question. And so I would like, I'm going to give you two jokes and I would like you to tell me which joke you think is, is the funnier joke. Are you ready? I'm ready. Joke number one. You're so old. When you were young, rainbows were black and white. All right. Joke number two. You're so old. When you were young, the Dead Sea wasn't even sick. <laughs> I like number one. All right. I let's like pull number out. One. Let's get out of it. I mean, I know I've been, it's apparent to me, you know, with Billy here and going back and forth, it kind of works. But when people are just listening to me, this is way too much me. Let's get to Rod Bierstedt. Rod, I think we decided coming out of the winter, preparing for a new season. I think we decided tackle would be the area you might start. Is that true? And if so, lead the way. Yeah, Gary, you're exactly right. And hopefully everybody um, at the end of when they put their boat up at the end of last season, that uh, they took the tackle off their boat, um, maybe spread it out and laid it out. And um, so that hopefully you prevent a lot of corrosion. Uh, a couple things is numb. Number one, never put your tackle away wet. And I'm talking about your terminal tackle. Um, always air dry it. And what I recommend is washing it off with boat soap first, then freshwater rinse. If you've got Saldex, spraying it down with Saldex, then freshwater rinse that. Let it air dry before you ever put it in any kind of a Ziploc bag, a um, Rubbermaid container or anything like that. Um, let it get good and dry, okay? And I'll give you one other little secret for your sea witches. When you wash those off and do that process, they will tend to clump and they'll get real clumpy. And if you wanna refresh them, take uh, at the very end, take some um, hair conditioner and put a little bit of that on them and then rinse it off and rub it out, let them dry and then take a uh, brush a hairbrush and brush your sea witches after they dry and they'll uh, turn really nice and fresh. So that's one thing that you need to do, but get your tackle out right now. And this is the time you want to one, inspect uh, the line on your reels. If the line on your reels is dull, doesn't look good, it's time to strip. And if you fought a lot of fish last year with a particular reel, or if all your reels fought a lot of fish, hopefully, uh, it's time to re, you know, put new mono on them. And uh, a lot of the tackle stores will be having some deals on monofilament. And when you are putting it on your reel and re-spooling them, make sure you pack it on really, really tight. Put a lot of pressure on it. It's really best to have the tackle store do it. But if you're doing it yourself, just make sure that you put a lot of pressure on that line uh, and pack it onto your reels really tight. Otherwise, it'll tend to backlash, it'll come off too fast, or it'll embed when a fish runs and puts tension on it, and thus you'll lose the fish. Um, the other thing is if you can do it yourself, um, obviously 
lubricate your reels, tear them apart, clean them up, those kind of things. Number, uh, and the other thing is, if you can't send them off and have them, you know, looked at, have your drag washers checked and um, have your uh, whole reel lubricated up. As far as the rods, uh, one thing you want to do is, especially if you have ceramic guides um, and even metal guides, is check them for any nicks or burrs because they can fray your line. And um, you get a hot fish on, run down a lot of line, all of a sudden your line parts, you'll wonder why, or you're reeling in your line and you have all these little spider webs on it, and you wonder where all that came from. Well, you've got a nick in one of your guides. And the easiest way to check your rod is to take um, a little section of pantyhose and cut it out, make about a one inch wide strip, about six inches long, and then wrap it around the guide and rub it back and forth. And if there's any kind of a nick or anything in there, it'll snag that pantyhose material and you'll know right away you've got a nick in one of your guides. So you'll want to get that done and to get your tackle ready to go. And on storing your rods and reels uh, in between trips, obviously you wanna rinse them off real good. I use boat soap on mine, then I spray them, rinse that off, and spray them with Soldex, rinse that off, and then let them dry or towel dry them down. One thing you do not want to do, you wanna rinse them off with the drags locked down pretty tight, but once you get done with this procedure, back your drag all the way off, all the way off, and always store your rods and reels with the back, the drags backed all the way off. Now you can put your clickers on so the line wouldn't uh, unravel real easy, but back that drag off. That'll prevent your drag washers from seizing up, okay, when you're having them stored. That's a real helpful hint, and it'll pro prolong the life your drag washers doing it that way. So rinse them off with the drags locked down, then afterwards back them off and um, for any kind of storage. Hey, let me uh, yeah, circle back around on a couple of those points because I, I like what you're saying, but I think there's even more opportunity there just for me to clarify. So we'll start, we'll go backwards and say, all right, with the, re with the reels, so why do you rinse them with the drag still locked down? That's because you don't want to drive any salt into the reel that might be on the outside as you're washing it off. And use a very light mist when you're rinsing the reel off. Don't use high pressure hoses or anything. Uh, just use a light mist. And um, one thing I never do on my boat with my rods and reels is I never run them with the rod and reel in the gunnel on a gunnel top rod holder to where the spray coming off the side of your boat can literally get driven into that reel. Because as we all know, there's a small gap between the spool and the side of the reel, both on spinning reels and on conventional reels. And if you're driving that salt water in, um, it'll deposit and dry in there and you'll end up with a salt buildup inside your reel. So uh, just rinse them off um, before you run back in if you have fresh water on the boat. And then once you get to the dock, and the reason you use boat soap is you do, Gary, you don't wanna put anything, like I had somebody tell me the other day, use Dawn. 
that's very bad. Dawn is a grease cutter and it'll go inside the reel and actually degrade and break down the oil or grease that's lubricating your reel. So boat soap is not a grease cutter. And so use boat soap. And then, like I said, I use Saldex after that. Mine's a two-part process. Boat soap first, washing the rod and reel off with a soft brush or a sponge with boat soap uh, solution in water. And then um, I use Saldex after that and rinse them off in both cases, towel dry, and then let them air dry. And never spray lubricant on the reel, reel out of the can. If you're gonna put any kind of a corrosion inhibitor on them, spray it on a towel and then wipe the reel because that corrosion inhibitor will degrade your monofilament. It'll actually break it down and ruin it over the course of the season. Well, on the, on the reels you were talking about, and again, you know, we're talking about general maintenance, but I think when you were talking about coming out of the winter and headed for a new season, you know, thinking about servicing your reels. And so yes. we have a wide variety of audience here. We've got some brand new to people, very fluent for people more on the brand new side. How much of that can they reasonably expect to do successfully themselves? I mean, YouTube, YouTube videos are a great resource. Like what's the, what's at least the general that, you know, my basic audience could accomplish with reasonable success without having to send them off? A lot of it has to do with the reel you have and the style of it, Gary. Um, you know, spinning reels are relatively easy uh, to take the spool off, to lubricate the shaft where the spool sits on, those kind of things. Uh, generally, they have a, a side plate you can access and get into them. Some of the conventional reels are a little more complicated to get into. Some of them are relatively easy. Some of them are complicated. Um, I would set, suggest, and actually I send mine off uh, to a real maintenance person and uh, every year during the winter. Right now when I'm not using them, the real, reels I'm not going to be using this kind type of time of year, I'll go ahead and send them off get him to re, you know, go through them, check the drag washers, check everything out, re-lubricate them, get them back to me in time, generally the third week of March, and I'll put them back on the rods and away I go. But well, you, how about you can look at YouTube. YouTube is a great way, you know, for the style and brand or reel you have, go on YouTube and there is a, a lot of helpful information on there about it. And just undertake what you think you can. Don't go tearing the gears apart or the drag washers apart. Uh, this is the general stuff you can do just by taking the side plate off. Well, what about, I want to circle back now to when you were talking about line and about replacing line. So I know you touched on it, but maybe here's what I like you to do. I like you to hit again, like what are the visual cues that it's time to replace the line? And then in addition to that, like, Imagine my audience, and I'm imagining a lot of my audience isn't fishing nearly as much as you. So if, you know, if my audience is fishing offshore, you know, not nearly as much, how many seasons do they get, you know, where a visual cue doesn't even matter? It's been X amount of seasons. It's time to replace the mono. Okay, Gary. Yeah. If it's been X amount of seasons, I would replace it. Um, what is X? I'd say two or three at the most. Okay. Uh, what happens is monofilament, if you're storing your rods and reels inside of your boat, uh, if you have a cabin boat 
and they're stored in there. The inside of that cabin in the summer gets really hot and that will degrade your monofilament. Um, storing it in your garage, you know, your garage can get up to 90, 100 degrees in the heat of the summer. And over time that will degrade it. The key factor I see is if your monofilament is dull looking on your reel, and if you pull down 50, 60, 75 yards of line, and you should, and if you can see a big difference between that line and what was on the exterior of the spool, then you need to just go ahead and replace it. Uh, it's that, you know, it'll get very dull. It will not have a slick finish on it anymore and you rub your fingers on it. It'll be very, I don't wanna say hard to pull, but you can feel the difference. If you get a fresh spool of line and run your fingers across it and then run it across the line on your reel, you'll, you'll feel the difference. Okay, and then the my final circle back around is on tackle. I love the I I am a fan of specifics. So when you were talking about sea witch maintenance, you know specifically, I like that as opposed to in general, you know, don't put it away wet. Although good advice, don't put it away wet. Never Anything else comes away. to mind? Anything else specifically that you look at more more closely as far as the tackle box as you're coming out of the winter and going into the spring? Yeah, so that's what I've been spending the last few weeks doing is um, this is a leader and what you want to do on all of your offshore leaders this happens to be a mahi rig a pin rig mahi rig that we all recognize and if you run as i was talking about the monofilament if you run your fingers down it this isn't slick and you can also and hopefully it's showing up but it's relatively dull so to show you some new leader Here's brand new leader, and hopefully you can see the difference. This has, look at the shine on that leader compared to what I just showed you. And when I run my fingers down, it's very nice and slick. It, you can feel the difference. And this is the same size leader as the other one. But you can see that this has a nice shine to it. Uh, the other, that rig I showed you is going to be replaced. So, you know, you just need to inspect all of your leaders, um, your lighter leaders, your Spanish mackerel, Atlantic Bonito that we'll be getting into here in April. They'll show up, make their first appearance, Spanish mackerel right behind them. That that leader, that 30-pound test mono, I go ahead and I cut every one of my Clark spoons off and throw the leader away. It's 30 feet of 30-pound test mono and I pitch it and I put new fresh mono on to start the season. And uh, you'll want to inspect it. The other thing on inspecting a, a leader like this, especially you want to replace it, if you can feel any burrs on it where it's been in the fish's mouth and um, it'll get a little frayed in this area and you definitely want to replace it. And a, the other thing you want to do is look at your hooks and I purposely left this one this hook see how it looks it's really rusted up and looking pretty ugly before the season starts what I do is I get this is a 220 grit sandpaper and I will take and clean these hooks up and get them all nice and clean like that and you'll get it coming off 
and then you'll be able to see a difference on what, what you accomplished. And uh, take your time, be careful that you don't stick yourself, which I've done many times, I speak from experience there. But uh, just clean the hook up real good. And this is best done, you know, if you take it off the leader, if you leave it on the leader like I'm doing, you can still do it. But just get it nice and cleaned up with a piece of sandpaper. And you can now see the difference between the hook I first showed you and that. The other thing is you want them nice and sharp. And well, where'd it go? I had it here and now I can't find it. Um, a file and you'll want to file your um, hook point. Actually, you can use the same sandpaper and you can get that point touched up just with the sandpaper. And again, anything from one, 100 to 220, this is 220, uh, 150 is a nice middle of the road, but you'll see now the point of that hook looks totally different and it's significantly sharper. And I don't know where I put it, Gary. I had it here laying out and I've lost it, but I had a file here. Oh, here it is. Get you a nice metal file and then just take and slide it along. and touch the point of your hooks up. And how I test them is, and now you can see it, hopefully you can see that, but the point of that hook is real nice and shiny. And I just, uh, yeah, that one's right. And then if you want to go the extra yard, get you a black Sharpie and just touch the tip of that up with the Sharpie. And what that does is that protect, protects it and prevents corrosion okay all right okay yeah man i like that i i hadn't heard the black sharpie tip yet yeah yeah you can do that but then you can take and you can clean your hooks up um to get them looking real nice to start out the season okay you don't need to replace them you know obviously if they're pitted and corroded really bad yes but uh otherwise just clean them up like we just did. Well, maybe this is the point in the episode where we transition into preparing for an offshore trip. Cause I've heard you at our fishing schools. I know you're big on preparation. That's why when you approached me with this idea, I thought, man, this is going to work well information that people need to hear, want to hear. So let's do that transition now. So, and again, I, I don't know if we're talking about our first spring trip of the year or just, offshore trips in general, you can guide us along on that. But what are the steps that you take or what are the steps maybe that the person in general, the offshore angler in general, doesn't do that needs to do? Well, right now, this is the time of the year to really um, to get your ducks in a row and to get everything planned so that you can really up your game when you start to go fishing. So you want to one, research the resources out there that are available to plan your trip. And uh, one thing you need to know is what is the comfortable level that these fish like to live in? And all of the fish are different. And um, if people will email me, I've got a pelagic chart that shows um, all the different 
temperature ranges that the fish like to live in. Because these fish are really very simple creatures. And this goes for the Atlantic Bonito all the way out to the Gulf Stream for mahi, sailfish, tuna, whatever, and everything in between is they want an area that they're comfortable living in, and that means water temperature and clarity, a combination of the two. Some of them don't demand as much clarity as others would desire, but the big thing is food and a food source. So if you don't already have a multitude of GPS coordinates in your GPS, the wintertime is a great time to get that done. If you wanna manually enter them, go ahead and I highly suggest a maps unique chart. Um, this happens to be one of them for Onslow Bay, maps unique. And, um, but there's like seven or 800 numbers on this chart. If you want to select the areas that you typically go fish and enter numbers, so you already have them in your GPS. You don't want to have to be entering numbers off of your chart while you're running out in the morning because you already should have planned where you're going to go. You should already have your plan put together that I feel that the best opportunity for me to drag my bait in front of a hungry fish is going in this direction to this area. And these are all things you need to um, accumulate over this downtime right now to get all this informational collecting resources put together. Uh, we're very lucky here in Onslow Bay. We have a big weather buoy system out there, which makes at least in zones getting temperature, uh, water surface water temperature. We've got a, a buoy or a station on the end of Johnny Mercer's Pier. We've got one at five miles. We've got one out on the other side of 23 mile rock at about 26 miles. There's an outer Onslow Bay buoy. And then we've got frying pan tower buoy. And by comparing the water temperatures at each one of these, you can determine that there is, you know, where you would like to fish based on the preferable temperature range for the fish you're gonna target. And um, so those are very good resources. The best resource is obviously to have a seawater temperature system access. And there are a few free ones out there. And um, the reason they're free is they're not quite as good. And uh, so you can pay for a system uh, that you can access either on your iPhone or on your computer. And uh, some of those are CCAST through Saltwater Central. Uh, that one happens to run like $180 a year, $150 a year, a uh, great deal. And Captain Dave has put together a lot of information on that, on that particular site. CCAST is a great one. RIP Charts is another very good one. Terrafin is one that's available. Um, Rolfs is really, really good. Uh, those folks are probably the best in the business at putting together the um, seawater or where you should fish information. And um, it runs, if you get a package deal, it'll run you about $60 a uh, shot or a set, a session that you want. 
and I believe they've got um, early season deals going right now where you buy 20 sessions in advance and then you can just say, hey, I'm going out of this inlet, going out, you know, this area, what, where's the fish at? And they'll send you a detailed map of what they have accumulated. The problem with seawater temperature is to get a satellite shot, it has to be cloud free. So we're going to take, for instance, recently here, all we've had is clouds and rain except for a couple of days. The inexpensive or the free systems don't have many satellites going over, and they could actually miss a clear window in your area when they pass over. So all you're going to see is cloud cover and thus no seawater temperature. The more expensive programs have multiple satellites coming over on a daily basis, and their opportunity to get the cloud-free shot is a lot better than the inexpensive systems. So um, it sort of comes down, you, you get what you pay for. Can you work with the other ones? Yes, uh, but you have to realize that there'll be a period of time where you might not be able to get a seawater temperature. Um, chlorophyll also requires a cloud-free situation. The one that doesn't is salinity that they can get that salinity readings through cloud cover, but salinity tends to blend. In other words, if you've got the salty offshore blue water blending or hitting the nearshore, not, not a salty water, that tends over time to blend and you don't get it and it's a distinctive or a distinctive line. It'll give you an area where you can run towards and hopefully find the ideal situation. But you, you want to put together that plan. And um, my offshore trolling notes, I have this laid out really in much more detail than we talk about here on how to accumulate this data information, what it means, so you can get yourself in that magic one, one and a half percent of the ocean where the fish are living. And this is good. Like, I like that review. I like giving me some sort of ideas of where we're going with that data. And so that data, when the general angler is going to get it the day before, that's the plan the night before, and then make your plan. That's correct, Gary. Uh, you know, some people, they're coming to the coast in two weeks. And they'll say, you know, I see this on social media all the time. Where can I get, where, where can I go catch some mahi? I'll be down there. I'll be to the beach in two weeks. Um, help me out. Trust me, nobody on the face of the earth can tell you where those fish are going to be in two weeks. They can say, well, they typically are in this area, but that area, depending on eddies of the ocean, currents coming in, the temperature that we've had right now um, and how the seawater temperature is reacting, that they could be off by 20 miles. Um, and so it's you're looking for really, really recent information. One good thing is, is develop a network, have a number of friends that fish a lot and reach out to them, call them 
and uh, say, hey, I'm going out tomorrow. Did you happen to go out today? Or the worst would be yesterday, 48 hours. And you're not looking for GPS numbers. You're looking for areas. And more information is, what did they actually see? Did they see blue-green water, blue water? What, my first question is, well, what temperature did you see on your temperature gauge? And, um, and what way was the current going? You know, which way was the water tracking? Those are all critical factors. But the more, Gary, you're exactly right. The more recent you can make this information, the better, that's what you need. You need pertinent, really good, up-to-date information. Then I'm going fishing tomorrow. I'll go to some of the local tackle stores, go in to buy your bait and ask them, what have you heard today? Anybody go out today? Um, what have you heard today? Where, the, you know, what's going on? And um, those kind of things, but you need it really current. You can't, uh, you know, I, well, I caught a fish. I caught that, that kind of fish two weeks ago in this area. That is of no value. That's, and you really don't want to run to spots. You really want to run to an area of spots that you feel the conditions are right for the fish you desire to be in that area. And you can break it down on your chart. You know, each one of the squares on the Maps Unique chart are 20 square miles. They're five miles tall and four miles wide based on the latitude longitude. And so a 20 square mile area is a lot of ocean. And so you sit there and you try to zero in on that area, full well knowing that the water could have moved overnight. Um, I track the frying pan tower buoy almost daily just to see what's going on. And I've seen eight, nine degree surface water temperature changes during the course of a day. It's gone from 58 degrees to 65 degrees over the course of a day, which means there's a hard edge out there and it's moving in and out across that buoy. And those are the kind of things that happen in the dead of winter. In the summer, it gets more blended, but um, you know, monitoring those buoys and going on there and seeing how they've been, you know, the water temperature has changed is a big help. So we're starting to get to the end of this podcast. I mean, we're getting to the end of this podcast, not starting to get okay. to the end. So it might be time to sort of transition into final thoughts. Like if if you could give my viewers, my listeners, the the main advice for how to prepare to head out on your first offshore trip of the season or really any offshore trip of the season, in addition to the data collection you just went over, what else comes to mind? Okay, number one is make sure your boat's ready to run in the spring. That's number one. You know, ideally you'd love to test run it first in the waterway, make sure your electronics are working. Um, if possible, download as many GPS numbers into your GPS, have areas already set up to where you don't have to think about it the next day. Number two is um, get your tackle right, have all your leaders inspected, have your hooks ready to go, have hooks replaced where you need to replace them. Um, number three is 
think about the day before you're going out fishing, you know, make a plan and research it and uh, gather data, gather information. Uh, one other thing I didn't cover is if possible too, the day you go out, have a buddy system, have two or three other boats that you can talk with on the radio and uh, don't go all to the same spot, you know, spread out a little bit and then you can communicate and don't, I'll just save you a lot of agony. Don't ever say a GPS coordinate over the radio. Understand where I'm going to, what area, and somebody like Gary calls me and says, hey, Rod, how you doing? I'll say, Gary, it's doing pretty good here. You might want to slide over this way. You know, because we're friends and we talked before we ever left that morning, the area I'm in. If I say, hey, I'm on the 3317 and the 7740, the next thing you know, you're going to have the Spanish Armada of boats sitting right on top of you. So, you know, communicate, but don't go spouting GPS numbers over the uh, radio because it'll bring a lot of people in to you real fast. That's a, another little helpful piece of advice. All right, and let's remind people that you've got a lot of documentation, you've got a lot of notes that you've collected through the years, and you're happy to, you know, again, you're happy to share that information. You're not protective of it, you're not selling it. And the nope. way that they can email you and ask is going to be in the description of this podcast, underneath this podcast. So we're going to have your information up in the description where people can reach out and not just get this. But like you said, you've got notes on what water temperatures the certain pelagic species prefer the most. I mean, a, a wealth of information. We're going to encourage people to reach out. Rob Beerstead, I've enjoyed it. This is It's always fun to so talk fishing nice. with you almost as fun as actually fishing with you. And I can tell you yeah. that actually fishing with you is high on my 2021 okay. list. Yes, we are going to get out there again, Gary, in 21. No doubt about it. And uh, everybody have a good time. Fish on and uh, reach out to me. Call me. Use me as a source of your information. You want to call somebody? Call me. And uh, I'll tell you an area that I think might be productive based on the information I have. But the challenge is for you to be able to get that put together yourself. Okay. All right, Rod. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gary. Bye-bye. Well, there we are. We have finished another episode of the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series with Captain Rod Bierstedt on my way charters, spring preparation, offshore preparation. And normally I would say, hey, Billy, Lots of information. Rod talked easily. What is the Billy's best takeaway? And the audience here is getting ready to realize why we have Billy do it and not Gary do it. Because Billy is a nicer person than Gary. Billy actually takes that role seriously, and Gary doesn't take that role seriously. So if we're looking for the Gary Hurley version of Billy's best takeaway, then it would be that Rod Bierstedt treats his sea witches like a Barbie doll. He likes to shampoo them. He likes to condition them. He likes to brush their hair, probably even tease them into a couple of little, you know, hairdos. I mean, I, I, I'm going to enjoy that vision for a little bit following this podcast. And soon enough, we're going to get Billy back on the air. So it's not just looking at me. But again, we urge you to subscribe. We urge you to share. We urge you, whether you're listening or whether you're watching, and please don't forget our, our Marine Warehouse Center sponsor. We love those guys. 
And again, it's a one-stop shop, whether it's sales, and it could be selling a boat or it could be buying a boat or service. You know, they're doing work to, they do work to my boat every spring or even parts. You like to work on your boat yourself. Then you got Terrell over there running that part shop like no other. So please support Marine Warehouse Center as they support these podcasts that we believe you enjoy. We hope you've enjoyed our talk with Rod Bierstedt, and we'll see you in a week. We'll see you with another episode one week from today. Thank you, guys. Fisherman's Eye.